on ABC Radio. This is The Big Fish with Scott Levi. Ahoy there. Welcome aboard another edition of The Big Fish and brilliant Australian bass fishing might be closer than you think. Stuart McGill takes a suburban backyard bass fishing and uh, you never know if you're living in Sydney or Wollongong or Newcastle or any of our big urban centres up and down the East Coast, the bass might be just in your backyard. You just need to know where to find them. Stinker's back from another Broughton Island trip and he's frothing after the best snapper fishing trip ever. But every trip with Stinker's good is has boundless enthusiasm, doesn't he? We, we love him. And our first cast is with South Coast YouTube fishing sensation, Roger Osborne, who's a brilliant beach and estuary fisherman as well. It's all coming up on this edition of The Big Fish. our first cast this morning on The Big Fish, YouTube fishing sensation from the south coast, Roger Osborne. Good morning, Roger. Good morning, Scott. How are you, mate? I'm going really well. And, and you've been catching a few, mate, I see. Yeah, look, you know, I'm pretty excited about my fishing, so I'm always <laughs> I'm always doing something. Um, you, you are. You, you're very prolific with the YouTube, and you have very high production standards. It's something quite different uh, on the fishing shows on, on YouTube. Uh, I think you, you sort of suit the algorithm. You're always producing a, a video, uh, quite uh, a big output, but also uh, high-quality stuff. You're always in frame. The sound's good. It's not that shaky uh, POV stuff. It's very watchable, and uh, you know, you're a very talkative sort of bloke. What's your philosophy with producing the, the TV fishing uh, help shows? Um, I mean, my... My whole purpose really was to is to teach and to help people. Um, mainly, I want to be able to get across things in a simple way that people can understand and actually be able to apply it and enjoy their fishing. Um, so I'm more, I'm not so, yeah, I just want to, I want to teach. I feel like I have the ability to teach. So um, I do that. I'm not a school teacher. I've never uh, done anything like that. But it's kind of been my main thing i've got an interesting situation where i employed a videographer in the beginning when i did my first couple of youtube videos i was going to i've got three sons and i was going to get one of my boys to come down the beach with me and um let them film me on the iphone you know um and my wife said to me i don't think you should do that she said i think you should employ a professional videographer and i'm like oh honey you know, that's more work, <laughs> you know. Um, so anyway, but I thought, no, nah, okay, all right, I'll listen. So I actually, um, I used to live on the northern beaches. I live on the south coast now. But I <clears throat> I went to, uh, used to go to a big church in on the northern beaches. And I thought, well, I'll ring my pastor and ask if he can recommend anybody who's skilled with videography. Anyways, um, I met this um, young lady. Her name's Rebecca. and she worked for a big company in Sydney called Car Advice, doing all of their, uh, a lot of their videos and editing and stuff. So she's highly skilled, and I employed her and paid her to do my first few videos. And so, 
she actually, she's done every single one of my videos and she currently now, she lives with me and my wife. She's like an adopted daughter. Wow. It's not, some, it's not, it's not something that you can plan. I mean, what a story. I never, I never knew that would happen, but she was, um, she's in her mid-30s, but she's just a single woman and um, she's really appreciated being part of a family because she was just living on her own. And so, yeah, so she's become part of our family. She lives here with me. Um, she goes and does all the videos, but she's she's amazing. She's a very good uh, videographer, highly skilled editor. So I don't do any of any of that stuff. Well, and um, I just, you know, she makes you look very good, Roger. She makes you, and she makes a beautiful South Coast look really great too. The other thing that you do, uh, and is apart from those high production uh, qualities, is you go to really accessible, safe places. It's, it's they're real family fishing options. So so many of the, the YouTubers, you know, they're they're in crocodile infested waters somewhere off the Cape where you've got to fly in, in a helicopter or something and it's just not realistic. But what you're doing is is so accessible and, and so you, you watch it and you think, you know, that's I can do that. That's that's safe. It's fun for the family and the kids. And you also catch a lot of fish if you know what you're doing. And that's I guess what you're trying to impart, you know, show people how to be productive. Yeah, I mean, look, that's just, you know, like the whole fishing, hunting thing is just kind of who I am. I get excited. I love the strategy. You know, I I never go fishing without a purpose. I'm always looking at the weather, looking at the tides, analysing and thinking, okay, well, what would be the best option today? Because I want to catch fish, you know. I mean, we all go fishing and don't catch fish sometimes. But, you know, when you actually have a plan and you focus, really, I mean, it's more rare that I don't catch fish than I do. Uh, you know, and it's exciting. It's fun. I, I love that part of it. I love going down to the beach and looking at all the features and looking at the deep bits, the shallow bits and thinking, oh, where do you think the fish will be? Where will they be feeding? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I do. I, I think that's great. And it also shows that the imagination's the, the limit when it comes to fishing in our beautiful backyard, isn't it? You've got so many options, so many different techniques and styles you can try um, to to get those results. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mainly fish my where I live. Um, you know, I live in the Ulladulla area on the south coast. So, you know, gosh, we've got so many beaches and headlands. It's just, you know, so many choices, so many beautiful places to fish. But you know, having said that. I lived at Narrabeen on the northern beaches uh, for most of my life and fished really from Manly to Palm Beach was my my area. And I've fished just about every headland from Manly to Palm Beach. I, I know mentally I could walk around every headland and know where all the rocks are and all the different things. Um, but, you know, Sydney's got, what, five million people or something in it, but there's heaps of fish. It's like, you know, people can think, oh, man, it's, there's so many people. It's got to be fished out. No way. There's so many fish. I mean, if I was living back up at there now, it'd be the same as if I'm living down here. I'd have a ball. And grow, growing up on Narrabeen Lagoon, there are lots of those sorts of environments on the south coast, those uh, small lakes and estuaries, uh, very similar species, very similar techniques. Uh, I love one of your videos where you uh, got the squirt worms, used your, your nipper pump, but just took the little surface layer to get the squirt worms and target whiting and 
huge brim and, and uh, the odd trevally, lots of stingrays. Yeah, well, I mean, it's very accessible to people. I mean, it's very, it's not hard to walk down to the edge of a lake, you know, and um, just, well, really, I mean, I mean, I there's a bunch of lakes here, but it's like that right up and down the coast. I, I know some guys who live at Wollongong who fish in, what's that lake, the Lake Illawarra, and they have so much fun in there on the flathead and the brim and the whiting and the different things, and it's like that right up and down the coast um, in the lakes. <clears throat> I actually went for a... It was a friend's birthday yesterday afternoon, and they wanted to have a picnic in this little spot down by the Barilla Lake. So we went down there. It wasn't really meant to be a fishing trip, but I took two little flick rods, two little soft plastic rods. I only had 10 casts, I mean, because I was just enjoying their company, but I got a, a legal-sized brim and flathead in about 10 casts off the shore. <laughs> There's a feed. That's a feed, isn't you it? Know, you know, in all I did is I had a – I wasn't even all that organised. I had a couple of soft plastics. I was actually using a squidgy's uh, wriggle tail. Squidgy's wriggle, it was in the uh, gold glitter colour. They're great little, so, so. great little soft plastics, those. They really work. Yeah. yeah. So, look, I had a packet of them handy, and I had a one-eighth um, jig, one-eighth, one-hour jig head which is about what I normally use with those. I tend to mainly use one-eighth jig heads in the lake. Um, I don't really usually go lighter than that, but just had the one-eighth jig head. I had um, a little seven-foot rod rated one to three kilo with a two-and-a-half-thousand reel on it. I actually had eight-pound braid and six-pound uh, fluorocarbon leader. Um, you know, you need. I like fishing with the lighter line because when you're fishing with light, soft plastics, you can't cast them very far if you have, unless you have light line. No, no, and it's very important, yes, to have low diameter line. I've been doing a lot of lure fishing in my local estuary with little tiny uh, shallow running crankbaits. And if you're trying to throw them on anything more than sort of three or four pound line, they won't go anywhere. Nice, long, whippy rod. And, and that sort of environment too, I think it's horses for courses, isn't it? If you're trying to pull out mangrove jacks from a snag, well, you need to up the game. But if you're on the sand flats... You just set, uh, get a nice little reel and you use good gear and, and just let them run. I mean, you set the drag light, don't you? Yeah. I mean, there's no, not generally any kind of snags or anything that's going to um, you know, be a problem. So if you just to relax and enjoy playing a fish, you know, you, you'll get them in. I mean, the only thing is with um, big flathead or different things, if they swallow it and, you know, they can shake their head from side to side and, and bite you off. But brim and stuff won't do that. Um, I did land a an 88-centimetre flathead with a six-pound fluorocarbon leader, and it had swallowed it down its throat. It had taken the soft plastic right into the middle of its... Deep in it. I mean, like, when I say down its throat, it was two or three inches. I mean, an 88-centimetre flathead's got a massive head, but it was two or three inches inside its mouth, and I didn't get bitten off. But, it's interesting too. I, I think when you get those big lizards on very light line, um, if you play them gently, but but a lot of that sort of head soaring action happens as soon as they hit the surface. Um, mm. You know, I think that's the the really danger time for for getting that leader uh, chafed off, don't you? You know, you can net them, just bring them in gently and net them before they thrash around on the top. You you might be a chance. Yeah, no, that's definitely a hundred percent because you know the typical habit is if you. If you even try to lift their head a little bit out of the water, they just shake it from side to side. Mm-hmm. So if you're gentle, um, yeah, you can even land fish like that if you're gentle. 
100%. You never know what you're going to get. Uh, we're speaking with Roger Osborne, whose uh, YouTube channel is going gangbusters, getting uh, thousands and thousands of subscribers and, and, and likes and views. And he's a, a very regular poster, too. I think that's part of the formula, Roger. You know, if you're going to be a YouTube fisherman, you've got to put up uh, regular videos. You know, people want that sort of weekly or fortnightly appointment. And you seem to be able to do that. You seem to have just a, a myriad of different scenarios and, and target species and places to fish around Aladulla. It's, it's a, a limitless supply of good fun. Yeah, I mean, it is It is at the moment. I, I used to do a lot of deep sea fishing on the northern beaches. I used to fish off Long Reef. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Long Reef. Yeah, fish Long Reef on many an occasion. Yes, it's a great, uh, great structure. Uh, stretching out from the point there, you get the kingfish on there quite regularly and you get a lot of boats on there quite regularly too. Yeah, well, I had a sea devil, a boat called a sea devil, which used to be, they were made in Ulladulla by Peter Williams Marine. He's the guy who uh, built that boat. <clears throat> uh, he sold it. Someone on the northern beaches owns sea devil boats. But I had a sea devil. It's a 5.2-metre fibreglass deep V hull. Um, so it's got a very deep V hull, which means that it's fantastic in, in chop and swell. It just cuts through the water really beautifully. So I had that with a 75 horsepower and I used to launch it at Long Reef boat ramp. But at Long Reef, it's that spot there where when you came in, you actually had to hit the beach at speed and run your boat up onto the beach. Have you, have you seen guys do that? Have you experienced that? Yes, I have. And, and one of our regulars on the show actually lost a boat there at an early morning uh, launch when it was caught it picked up by a wave. So it, it's not the easiest spot uh, Roger Osborne? No, I. Um, so what the, the go was is you'd follow a swell in. You'd basically come flying up on the back of a wave up onto the beach. And I had to have a special trailer built called a, called a Long Reef Special. <laughs> the local guy at um, Cromer <laughs> built these extra strong trailers because guys would try to dry winch their boats up at Long Reef and, and basically break the back of trailers, bend them in half. Because when you're trying to winch a boat up off the sand, you've got all that weight coming up. You don't have the water floating the boat onto the trailer. So I had a long reef special, but I fished out there for about 10 years regularly, mainly fishing for snapper and for jewies and for kingfish. That were the main things that I liked to catch. Um, so I did a lot of that off long reef. And, you know, even down here, I've done a little bit of... Um, I've got a um, Quintrex Renegade with a 50 horse. And so I can take that out when uh, when, this, when the conditions are nice. I'll launch it at Aladulla Harbour. And I've fished for snapper a few times, but that's another whole area. It's like, you know, I'm just busy doing beach fishing and different things, but, man, you know, there's so much fishing I could do out in the boat. So eventually I'll probably do some videos on, you know, basics for how to fish for snapper and different things like that. And how's your uh, producer and videographer at... Uh... Uh, out at sea, <laughs> how yeah, that's, a good, that's a good question. Because um, you know, I don't get seasick. I can eat. I could eat a greasy pork chop. <laughs> you know, in the boat and go, "How are you, mate?" <laughs> you know? or, or I could eat a piece of pizza. Yeah, that'll you know? be the test to get her out there and into it. Well, Roger, look, it's it's, yeah. it's great talking to you. I, I think what you're doing is is really wonderful and and really showcasing the beautiful South Coast as well and and as you say there are so many spots that are so similar 
that um, everyone could replicate your success and, and what you're doing in the backyard. And the other thing is you don't gild the lily too. If there are no fish, there are no fish. And, you know, um, if you catch uh, the, the, the non-target species, you're, you're happy and, and you tell the story. You know, there's no hubris there. You're really, really uh, uh, quite a, a happy fisherman. Yeah, I mean, you've got to be got to be real with people. And, you know, to be honest, most of the times when I go down and make a beach fishing video, I'm a long fish for me is two hours. A lot of the hours, of the videos I do, and the fish I catch is in like about an hour of fishing. So I'm not down there a long time. But but if I'm not getting any bites or if not, I'm not catching anything, then that's what I'm going to tell people that. Um, because otherwise it's not realistic if people go down the beach and they think that they just got to know uh, what it's like. And, and also, you know, I did a video a couple of weeks ago where I kind of prospected a beach. I walked along the beach and tried different spots. Um, it was amazing. I learned so much in that video. I fished four different locations on one beach um, and I experienced everything from raging current to no current to all sorts of things. And the last spot that I fished that I checked out, I landed 10 fish. There you Whereas go. the first, first couple of spots, it was there was too much current or it was a problem. But if I hadn't have actually kind of thought about it and looked at the different features and tried a couple of different things, I could have gone home with just one or two, you know? Yeah, it's a good good point. And, of course, you started your fishing media career uh, writing a, a definitive book about catching beach worms, one of the first, probably the only book that's dedicated to catching beach worms. Is that right? Yeah, no, it is. I, I kind of looked into beach worming because, I, I mean, how I kind of got started was I thought, is there, is there anything that I'm good at that I can teach people or help people with? And of all the things, I thought, well, I'm really good at catching beachworms, but, you know, are many people interested in that? I don't know. But I did a bit of research, and then I found out that there wasn't a book in existence, and most fishing manuals only had one or two pages talking about beachworms, which would never, ever cover the subject. So I wrote a really detailed book on beachworming, and then I filmed a video training series teaching people how to catch beachworms. And people buy that. Um, quite regularly and I get a lot of testimonials from people saying how they're catching beachworms now from you know not just my book and my training videos but also from watching the videos on YouTube a lot of people have learned from that as well which is, which is great now you take great great joy in what you do Roger and it really comes through and you are a great teacher thanks so much for joining us on on the big fish and uh, we'll uh, keep watching the videos and and keep having a chat yeah, thanks, Scott. No, it's nice to nice to talk with you. I appreciate it, and have a have an awesome day, mate. Saturday is a very fine day to do a little work in the yard, but when the sun is a shining away, it makes the work too hard. It makes the work too hard. Saturday is a very fine day to get my homework done, but when the sun is shining in May, we ought to go have some fun. So let's go fishing instead of just go wishing. What do you say we go away for a while? <laughs> Dig those worms out of the side. Put them in a can and go get a rod. Let's go fishing for a day and a half a mile. The Big Fish on ABC Radio. Now if you ever been down to New Orleans 
can understand just what I mean. Now all through the week it's quiet as a mouse, but on Saturday night they go from house to house. You don't have to pay the usual admission if you're a cook or a waiter or a good musician. So if you happen to be just passing by, stop in at the Saturday night fish fry. It was rocking. It was rocking. You never see such scuffling and shuffling till the break of dawn. It was rocking, it was rocking. You never see that scuffling and shuffling till the break of dawn. Now my buddy and me was on the main stem, fooling around just me and him. We decided we could use a little something to eat, so we went to a house on Rampart Street. We knocked on the door and it opened with ease And a lush little miss said, come in please And before we could even bat an eye We were right in the middle of a big fish fry It It was rocking It was rocking You never see such scuffling and shuffling Till the break of dawn It was rocking It was rocking You never see such scuffling and shuffling And over in the corner was a beat-up grand Being played by a big fat piano man Now some of the chicks wore expensive frocks Some of them had on bobby socks But everybody was nice and high At this particular Saturday night fish fry It It was was rocking It was rocking You never see that stuffing and shuffling Till the break of dawn It was rocking Now my buddy and me, we fell right in and we hollered, let the joy begin. Now we figured this was a good place to play, cause the party was already underway. But all of a sudden the lights went low and everybody made straight for the front door. Man, I was so scared I didn't know where to go. I stood right there, then I fell on the floor. It was rocking. It was rocking. You never see such scuffling and shuffling till the break of dawn. It was rocking. It was rocking. You never see such scuffling and shuffling till the break of dawn. Now the women was screaming and jumping and yelling. The bottles was flying and the fish was smelling. And way up above all the noise they made, somebody holler, Better get out of here, this is a raid. I didn't know we were breaking the law, but somebody reached over and hit me on the jaw. They had us blocked off from the front to the back, and they were putting them in the wagon like potato sack. It was rocking. It was rocking. You never see that scuffling and shuffling till the break of dawn. It was rocking. It was rocking. You never see that scuffling and shuffling till the break of dawn. I knew I could get away if I had a chance, but I was shaking like I had the St. Vitus dance. Now I tried to crawl under a bathtub when the policeman said, where you going now, bub? Now they got us out of there like a house of fire, put us all in that black marae. Now they might have missed a pitiful few, but they got both me and my buddy too. It was rocking. 
was rocking. You never see such scuffling and shuffle till the break of dawn. It was rocking. It was rocking. You never see such scuffling and shuffle till the break of dawn. For jail in a day's condition They put each one of us on suspicion Now my chick came down and went my bail And finally got me out of that rotten jail Now if you ever want to get a fist in your eye Just mention a Saturday night fish fry I don't care how many fish in the sea But don't ever mention a fish to me It was rocking It was rocking You never see that scuffling and shuffling till the break of dawn. It was rocking. It was rocking. You never see that scuffling and shuffling till the break of dawn. Give me one of them dappers sandwiches. Get away from that, boy. The Big Fish with Scott Levi on ABC Radio. Here comes Stinker with his fishing tips. Some hot advice for your fishing trip. Where to find him? What's the bait? Are you catching any, mate? Good morning, Stinker. Hey, good day, Scott. Last week on the program, you left everybody. Uh, excited about your upcoming adventure. You were hopping on the, the big boat, the 16-foot stink bug on Sunday and heading for the high seas, heading out to Broughton Island. Just back, how did you go? Oh, Scott. Oh, dear, what a week I have had. I, um, I've been going to Broughton Island since the mid-1970s. I don't know how many times I've been. Um, I reckon... That the last my last trip, which was uh, I went over on Sunday and came home on Tuesday, I reckon that's the best trip I've had since the nineteen seventies. Gee, that's a, a big call. Got some fish, obviously. Take take us through the fishing. Oh, I'll take you through the whole lot. Well, a Sunday, uh, I went with a few mates, a couple of mates, and we all we took one, two, two boats, and anyway, we. Um, we left on Sunday morning, which you may recall it was a bit rough, and so we had to go pretty slowly up, punch into a bit of sea. There was an east-south-easterly wind blowing. The sea kicked up, and the, the water was murky, And but um, I thought these are magnificent conditions, absolutely magnificent conditions, particularly for snapper. So we rolled into uh, Esmeralda Cove, and then had a bit of a rest, and then said, "Right, time to you know get out there and see what's out there." Well, off we went on our first excursion. Um, myself and one of our friends, we broke into two for our first excursion. Uh, on our first trip, uh, my friend and I, we got I think oh, eight to ten snapper up to seven and a half kilo. Oh dear me. Uh, and we threw um, even legal fish back back because we didn't need did need too many, and uh, but the fish we caught were just magnificent, and it's so exciting. I mean, we're bait fishermen. Uh, oh no, there was a bit of plastic used along a the wall there, 
because you know, you've got to use plastics in one spot because of sanctuary zones you've got to be careful of and rules and regulations on Broughton Island. And if you decide to go there, it'd be a real good idea if you know what's going on um, because ignorance is no longer an excuse. So, um, so we, but we 90% of the time we use bait. And, and any sort of bait, Scott, we had a lo- a fresh slimy um, pillars, slimy mackerel, which I think is probably the best, I reckon. We had cube gill tail. We had king prawns, big king prawns. We had uh, salted bonito and some, uh, and some fr- um, frozen mullet from the last fr- um, mullet run, which was last Easter. <laughs> <laughs> and it worked too. Yeah. We caught fish. We caught fish on all those baits that I just mentioned. Wow. It's the big fish with Stinker who uh, hit the high seas last Sunday for Broughton Island with a, a group of mates. And I believe one of your mates lost his mobile phone over the side. That's uh, a real trap for young players. I've done that. It's, it's really bad when you drop your mobile over the side. Well, if you. I mean, this is hard to believe, but what happened is he leaned over the side of the boat, was in his top pocket, and it fell into the water. I went to about six foot of water around the moorings. Anyway, on sand, it fell onto sand, but the water was really murky and you couldn't see the bottom. So the best you could do was walk around in with your head just out of the water, hoping to be tread on it, <laughs> you know, <laughs> hoping that you could feel it with your feet. Well... Uh, one of the blokes who was with us was a diver, and so he spent a lot of time just diving down and rubbing his hands through the sand. He couldn't find it. We thought, gee, it would be good if we had a face mask. No, couldn't find a face mask anywhere. No one had a face mask. Then uh, a big boat arrived and, and moored in Esmeralda Cove. Two blokes um, jumped off the boat with face masks, both of them. But come over here, fellas. <laughs> so they come over and he said, do any chance we could have lend your face mask? Well, one bloke said, I'll help you look for your phone. And uh, the diver put the other one on and they're swimming around, swimming around. This is an hour, hour and a half after the um, phone fell in the water. And then one bloke who was a visitor, who we didn't know who he was, he stood up and he held up. He said, I got it. He held up the phone and went, oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. And then we looked at the phone and it was on. It was still going. <laughs> After an hour and a half, and the next day it was still going. Yeah. Wow. To my knowledge, it's still going. And that's, I couldn't believe it. I thought, I don't know, they must make phones like they didn't. They, the phones we've got amazing. now are better than we ever had. Oh, dear, oh, dear. And you got a, got a message from King Nep- Neptune. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, that was the Sunday. So the other crew, they got some beautiful snapper too. So we had some absolutely magnificent fish on Sunday. And then the northeast wind kicked in on Sunday night. And Monday was a totally different proposition. Remember, Sunday was bumpy and Monday was flat. So all that white water disappeared. And there we are. So we've got to change our whole game plan. So the other boat went and started to fish the Sisters, which is a, um, a rocky reef, shallow rocky reef between Broughton Island and the mainland. 
And the mainland is um, what's called Dark Point or Little Gibber. Well, they got into the... There were kingfish everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) And really, there was a a lot of of rat kingfish amongst them. And... But there were some absolute thumpers. One of our friends, he got one over 15 kilo. But what also happened, he got um, ripped, stripped twice. He lost all the line off one reel. He had two reels. Then he put the other reel on <laughs> and he lost all the line off his second oh, reel. He's got- so he- he had two rods and no fishing line. He's got to and learn to, to put the brakes on, Stinker. He's got to learn to put the brakes on and pop them off. Well, it, I mean, but he thought he had a chance of landing them. I don't know what made him think that because they're only going in one direction and and they go like the last bus out of town and you really can't stop it. But he thought he was a chance uh, until, bing, his line's gone. And then <laughs> and exactly the same. I was surrounded, I was in a different boat. I was surrounded by kingfish, um, but the ones that surrounded me were only smaller fish, um, pretty much just on legal, really. But I didn't want them anyway. You try to avoid them, but it's impossible. You can't get away from them. But in amongst the the beer, all those kingfish at um, the sisters, Oh, there were some scary ones. And then in the evening, we're all sitting down. So what an experience! And then and the northeaster was kicked in, and actually quite strong. It was pumping. The northeaster was pumping. So I said, right, oh, there's only one. Oh, one of the fellas went home. That's right. One of the fellas went home. We left um, three of us there. And then I said, right, oh, all of them jump in um, my boat. And we'll go to Cod Rock. Now you know Cod Rock, don't you? Oh yes, I know Cod Rock. My goodness, that was the the, the scene of a, a capture of a a monster snapper uh, stinker, one that you don't have to lie about. It was so big. It was yeah. Well, that's the biggest snapper that's ever come into my boat, and you caught it. It was an absolute thumper, somewhere between eleven and twelve kilo snapper. Well, I thought this will do. That's where I'll take them, and we can all um, just relax and have a good yarn. It gave us a great chance to have a yarn on that island. So we anchored up and uh, let the nor'easters blow us back towards Nelson Bay. Uh, and uh, burlied up, I had, oh, I don't know, I must have six or eight loaves of bread, I think. And the, so plenty of burley. And we had it, what bait left, all the bait that we had left. And um off we went. We just floated baits, very, very small sinkers or no sinkers at all. Well, the snapper started to bite again. Oh, dear me. And they were beautiful fish, all between two and three kilos. So I'm thinking, well, we'd better be careful because, you know, we just don't, you don't want many fish, but it's nice to take a few home. And even now, I mean, your, your bag limit of 10, um, that gives with well, the three of us 30 fish. Well, that's a lot of fish, you know. You don't really need all that, but um, you also want to put a few in the freezer. Well, the fishing was just magnificent. And then, of course, the sharks turn up again. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. You know, here we go. Well, then um, on early on 
Tuesday morning, we just um, pull down the camp and come home. And I thought, and the nor'easters blew us gently home. Thanks so much for taking us with you. Stinker, I feel like I've, I've been out there and I didn't even get seasick. Oh, it was wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. <laughs> and the dolphins and the birds and, ah, look, you know, the whole thing, it, it's an experience, really. And at, at my stage, after I've had so many trips over there, you think you've seen everything, but obviously I haven't. Hey, tight line, Stinker. We'll catch you next week on, on the Big Fish, but it sounds like you're still walking on air after a great... Great snapper expedition. Here is Scott. It's the big fish and backyard bass. If you live in our urban areas, in the Illawarra, uh, Newcastle, Sydney, the central coast, and right up and down the coast, you'd be surprised at what is lurking in the little creek at the back of your place. It could be a culvert, there could be a pipe, could be some man-made structure, but as long as the water can flow freely, you might be surprised to find that little Aussie battle of the bass. And Craig McGill... Uh, is just about to grab his little spinning rod and a few surface lures and sneak down to his backyard in northern Sydney to do battle with these bronze beauties. G'day, Craig. Good morning, mate. How are you doing? Good. I don't think I could throw any more bee alliteration in there. <laughs> no, no. Backyard no. bronze beauties battling bass. <laughs> Got the whole lot, all the plosives. But uh, it is explosive yeah. Uh, fishing. I mean, there's nothing more exciting, is there, than uh, using a, a little surface popper on the fly rod or a, a little uh, cicada swimming paddling lure or something and, and uh, throwing it in near a snag. It just gets your heart pumping, doesn't it? Yeah. It's as close as you can get to hunting without a gun, especially when you're on foot. You know, just sneaking into those tiny little backwaters on foot and you're dodging and weaving through the, the vines and the undergrowth and your rod's getting caught and your clothes are getting caught and half the time you're crouching down to cast and bow and arrow casts and, you know, it's it's real it's real hunting. It really is. It's great stuff. Yeah, and, and you're in a very urbanised area and it doesn't matter where you are, at Parramatta or you know, somewhere in the west of Sydney, the southwest, you're in the, the north, um, there's probably a bass stream nearby that you didn't even think of. If if the estuary or the or the river or the harbour or the lake that you you live on goes into a little bit of fresh water and there's only got to be a couple of freshwater pools, there'll be some bass in there. Um, they're just incredibly resilient and versatile. And I remember the first time that I sort of discovered it in Sydney, a little waterway we've got here, and it was it looked quite polluted. I don't know what the actual water quality was like, but it drained off some golf courses, so it probably wasn't great. And it was, it had a bit of a grubby feel to it. There was tyres floating around and bits and pieces. And I thought, I'm going to give it a go. I'm wasting my time, but, you know, give it a shot and just see what happens. And I, I slid my canoe in and um, went up there. And the first time I went up there, we got absolutely nothing, which sort of confirmed what, what I suspected. And I thought, you know what? I know bass. You can do three or four trips and not even see a fish and then go back there and it, it goes insane. So I went back a second time. We got nothing. I thought, right, I'm going to give it one more go. Went back there with my brother in the canoe and we got 24 fish in an hour and a half, uh, some of them up to 45 centimetres. It was just insane fishing. Even when we were paddling from from snag to snag, we'd have our lure sort of just dangling over the side of the canoe. I remember my lure was about three inches from the water and a bass jumped up and 
grabbed it in the air. (laughs) It was just one of those nights where it just went off, you know, it just went mad. And I thought, how long has this been happening? (laughs) And, you know, they're they're very attuned to atmospheric conditions and and whatnot. These storms that we've been having, you know, some, some evenings when the storm's building, the cicadas are drumming in the trees they will go ballistic and just smash everything. And as you say, go back there and you, you can't get a bite. It's, it's a, a, a really weird thing. They are just the most mm. exciting fish too. Any fish that's got its, its uh, eyes on the top of its head, you, you know what they're looking for. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So little poppers, little unweighted stick baits, um, and that, that's the ultimate. I mean, they're not always on them. You know, sometimes you've got to go deep too. You've got to get a bit of weight on and and sink it right down into the snags, and especially when they're in that shutdown mode, which bass, you know, probably more often are in that mode than not. Um, they seem to do real big feed-ups and then and then do a lot of sitting around doing not much. Um, so sometimes you have to go deep. But when, as you said, when you've got those conditions, high-pressure system, and they definitely, you know, more than any other fish, well, when I say more than any other fish, freshwater fish seem much more prone a barometer um, than saltwater fish do. So when you've got that nice high barometer and all those conditions you set a storm building, yeah, sometimes they can they can just go absolutely ballistic and you can have bass fighting each other to get, get to your lure. You'll often find these spots by walking the roads and you'll see a, a culvert with um, unimpeded flow through it and you think, well, if I follow that or try to get to the pools, and that's where spinning is probably better than fly fishing because you can actually use a little spinning rod and flick a surface lure in and then mm. prospect that pool. And if it's a, a really uh, vegetation-choked sort of pool, bringing it up the middle even will, will bring them out usually. You don't have to get it right in close to the edges as you do on the hard fish and a pee system up at uh, Penrith or whatever, which is another great place for suburban bass. I mean, the, that's mm. such a beautiful big river and right in the heart of Penrith, the rewards are there if you get it just right. And, and that game of trying to get it just right is is uh, a game within a game. Oh, and it, it can be incredibly frustrating too, you know. <clears throat> you cast and, you know, half the time you're in a tree or sometimes before you even get your lure out there, you go, you know, your back cast gets caught and you're trying to look for all these little angles where you can flick it and, you know, it spins around the rock. It, it, it really is, um, it really can be a challenge. But when you finally get that really nice cast, it just, you just know it's perfect and you get it down the middle of the pool. And like, like you said, in these, these upper reaches that we're talking about, they're, they're small pools. I mean, you could wade across them. At, at, at most, they're going to be waist deep. And the bass owns the pool. So as long as you can get a good cast somewhere in that pool and just slowly, uh, you know, get that lure flopping down across the surface down the middle. He'll he'll come out. He owns that whole pool, so he'll find it from wherever he is. I love some of those old uh, plug designs. I think the Arbogast or someone from the US invented yeah. them with the aluminium uh, wings that sort of yeah. go bloop, 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 yeah. bloop, 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 bloop across the top, and then all of a sudden, kapow! Oh. It's, it's down yeah. and under. They're, they're great little lures, and, and the Japanese make these fantastic little tiny ones that look exactly like a, a small cicada. I don't know mm. if, if that 
change. And of course, then all of your regular um, surface lures with fly fishing. I think the Dalberg Diver, probably the best, a little uh, foam cup face popper works well. I don't think they're that particular, you know, they're not sit- sitting under some of those surface lures and saying, oh, that doesn't look like the yellow Mundy or the green grocer to me. I don't no. think I'll eat it. I think they no. just hit everything really when they're on, don't they? They do. I, I think their their diet, the range of their diet is just massive. You know, any, basically anything that falls into the water, even if it's got a bit of fur, I don't think they care. They're just going to eat it. And look, on, on the lures too, I, I will say this real tight water stuff, this is where these weedless plastics, um, and particularly even the weedless surface plastics, you know the, you know the surface plastics that have got um, a soft body, but it's a hollow body? Yes, so it's a soft yes. plastic, but it's it's hollow. And, and the hooks go up, recess up inside sometimes too, so you can cast them right into the bungee. That's right, and that's that's really the sort of stuff that you want to be working in this country because trebles, trebles in that sort of country are a nightmare. And look, I will admit, like you know, especially with surface strikes, um, sometimes they'll short strike. They're a bit prone to missing sometimes, but which isn't helped by by this, the you know the plastics where the hooks are sort of recessed in a bit you're going to get a better hook up on um on uh trebles but uh it's a compromise you know if you're gonna if you're using trebles and you're spending three quarters of your time hang hung up in the tree well you know it's you've just got to you've just got to weigh it up and i think overall the the plastics um the weedless plastics are the way to go in that sort of country we're letting them all go i i couldn't bring myself to to keep a fish out of those little little pools up there they're they're the boss up there you know they've lived there for a long time and um there's no way I'm going to need a fish from up there. And I think the other thing, too, about those weedless plastics, you know, they're often single hooks. So if you do get, uh, you know, hammered up by the fish in a snag and he, he gets off, at least he's only got to deal with a, a single hook rather than a mouthful of trebles, um, which can often, you know, really hinder their feeding after they've after they've got away. Yeah, that's a good, good point. I think... A, a little, a, a very small. If you know, if they're not playing the game, they're not coming to the surface. You've got to get right in into the underwater world and get them right up in the roots of the snag. Is it a small weedless spinner bait with with the hook sort of protected? Mm. You know, the up hook as well. That they really turn them on. There's something about bladed lures with those ro- ro- revolving blades that send out a, a little pulse that that fish just can't resist. That if they don't take that, they'll take nothing. Yeah. I think I think flash I think the light flash that comes off those blades it plays a big part and I you know it's the same with with spoons and and chrome metal lures I think flash uh, in any lure in fact I've got a little trick with some of the the weedless plastics that I use I'll go and buy a tiny little uh, you know chrome or particularly the gold coloured ones um, willow leaf blades and yeah, you can yeah. buy these tiny little um, little corkscrew uh, wires that that you can clip the willow leaf blade on and then you can screw it into the plastic. So it's actually like a tiny little corkscrew and you can you can put it into the plastic and keep twisting it and it'll bury in and it, it gets a good hold. Um, and that's a good way of throwing a bit of flash in, into your soft plastic. Um, yeah, and I really think that flash, I really think that flash, you know, is, is dynamite for attracting attention. Ah, it's good stuff. Well, I'll let you go, mate. You've got your little backpack on. You've got your little spinning rod with a a little box of of all those different lures, including your super modified plastic with the willow leaf flashing revolving blade. You're you're armed to the teeth and ready to go, Craig McGill. It's overcast. You know, there have been a few storms about, and the cicadas are are having a good year this year. Boy, I reckon if if anyone's a chance, you're a chance. (laughs) 
Mate, I'll, I'll send you some pictures to Savo. But um, one other thing too, just before we go, you know, we've talked a lot about creeping through that undergrowth to get to all of this stuff. So as you said, leeches and ticks and all the rest of it, but snakes are a real issue as well. So I'd always have in your backpack um, a proper snake bandage. So definitely have one of them in your in your backpack. Yeah, no one who's been treated apparently, you know, if you do get bitten by a snake, whack that bandage on to the right tightness and, and uh, you know, get, get help. And that's a good thing about being an urban bass fisherman. I guess you're not far away from the ambulance station if the snake grabs you. <laughs> exactly. You're not too far. And, and I think the trick too with snake bite is don't panic. Just put the bandage on, keep still, and just get help to come to you. Don't try and go to help. Yeah, that's a very, very good point. And hopefully if you're an urban bass battler too, you're very close to uh, a cell phone tower, so you, you can ring triple yeah. zero and they'll they'll come and get you. Don't move too much. Yeah. All right, well, we've done the disclaimers about snakes and ticks and leeches. Of course, the ticks, <laughs> ticks on the uh, northern part of Sydney have some diseases in them that you don't want to get either so that's a story for another time but apart from battling that and of course if that's too much for you you can come at them from the other side you know find the end of the estuary if you've got a little bass boat little tiny kayak the smallest kayak you can get i've got a little blue bass kayak it's called it's a a a tiny little one with a rod holder and um you know a little hole for the net and it's just really maneuverable i can get a long way up the the creeks and just have hours of fun it's just so much fun and see so many beautiful birds you know azure kingfishers and all sorts of big water dragons and the odd snake as you say it's it's a really amazing place the little little waterways in our urban backyards they they are incredible uh little ecosystems so uh i I wish i was with you craig good good luck mate send us a photo if you get a nice bass i will do all right craig mcgill there on the big fish talking about backyard bass for all of our urban jungle warriors Time to pull up the Kellican head for sure again. Thanks for joining us on The Big Fish. Don't forget, too, you can catch us anytime on the podcast at the ABC Listen app. We'll catch you next week.